it went straight down the middle. Then it started to... Welcome to another edition of For the Good of the Game at Bruce Devlin. I'm not sure we've had too many guests whose record in golf surpassed this, ladies. <laughs> well, I, think you, I think you have. <laughs> no, I, what's very interesting about it is she has won seven majors, and there are only six players that have ever played on the LPGA Tour that have won more, 45 victories, 31 on the LPGA and we are thrilled to have Julie Inks with us this morning. Thanks for joining us, Julie. Well, thanks for having me, Bruce and Mike. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be fun. Uh, and as we've talked about, Julie, we're here to tell your story in your words. And uh, that full story includes going back to the very beginning. So let's go back to Santa Cruz, California, and take us through growing up uh, in Northern California. Sure. Um, my dad was a fireman and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. I had two older brothers, um, Danny and Mike. And uh, my dad played professional baseball in 1954, 55, 56 for the Cincinnati Redlegs. Um, he he uh, minor leaguer and got called up his last year, but uh, ended up settling in Santa Cruz. Um, my mom got pregnant with my older brother and uh, – we uh we were just a sports family. We played basketball and baseball and football, and um, you know we were always outside, never watching TV. Um, and um, at uh, fifteen, um, we uh, my older brother got a job. He uh, worked at a liquor store. Um, my other brother got a job at fifteen. He was uh, mowing greens and um, working on the uh, uh, golf crew. And then uh, when I was 15, I needed to get a job. And we lived on this golf course called Pasatiempo. Sure. And we never played golf, but we lived on it. Uh, we would sell lemonade and golf balls we found. Um, we would play football on the, on the fairways and wiffle ball. And we had a, <laughs> we had a really good um, crew of kids in our neighborhood. Um, so at 15, one of my best friends, uh, a guy that he lived across the fairway, we lived on 14 and he lived on 13, uh, worked at the golf course. And he goes, why don't you go up to the golf course and see if you can get a job? And I go, well, what do you do up there? And he goes, well, we park carts, we pick up the range, we load bags. So I rode my bike up there and I got the job. And um, that's how I got into golf. Um I, you know, he played golf and, um, you know, I was I kind of always followed my brothers on what, what they did. And I decided I could, you know, maybe play this game. So I got some clubs from the lost and found and I just started playing and I fell in love with the game. I, it was something I could do that my brothers really weren't interested in doing. And, um, I just, uh, I started playing before school and I play after school. And then, um, the coach, a guy named Floyd Slider, he was a high school golf coach, uh, all boys team, of course, uh, called my parents and asked if he found out I was playing golf, asked if I'd be interested in going to the, on the golf team. And I was a sophomore at this time. And, um, so um, I said, yeah. So, um, I ended up making the JV team my sophomore year. And then I got my first, uh, set of clubs that matched when I was a, I guess, a, uh, 17 years old. 
just under seven Amazing. feet. Actually Amazing. matched, huh? Yeah, yeah. they matched. They, they were um, they were uh, Ben Hogan. They 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 were look like right now they look like a little pencil, you know, a little knife. Isn't that amazing? Um, yeah. yeah. And so um, I, I played summer. I played, you know, some one-day junior tournaments and stuff. And um, I just kept playing and playing. And um, I made the varsity team my junior year and my senior year. And um, after that, um, I wanted to um, – in the in the locker room, there was a sign up for uh, to try to qualify for the women's U.S. Open, and um, so I took the application home to my parents and asked if I could try to qualify for the U.S. Open. And we lived in Santa Cruz, and and this was Fresno, so it was about a two hour and fifteen minute drive. And um, my dad actually had the day off um, from the firehouse, and he said he'd caddy for me, so he they let me sign up. We drove to Fresno. It was only 18 holes, and um, I ended up shooting the lowest round I ever shot. I shot 72, and I ended up qualifying for the U.S. Open. And um, I'll never forget, we were driving home, and um, my parents thought I was asleep, and my dad's name's Jack, and my mom goes, okay, Jack, now what do we do? Because <laughs> they, they, didn't, they didn't really know how they were going to get me back to the to a women's U.S. Open, but Past Tiempo was great. They rallied. They, they um, um, uh, got some funds together and sent me, got me a plane ticket and paid for my caddy. And um, I ended up staying in housing back there. Um, and uh, I'll never forget, you know, showing up. I mean, it's really my first big tournament everywhere, anywhere. Anyway, first time yeah. on a plane um, outside of California. You're and going to um, Indianapolis, right? Yeah, Indianapolis, yeah. Indiana. Yeah. And um, they had, you know, these brand new tireless balls for for practice. And <laughs> mm. um, gone to like, heaven. Oh my gosh! So <laughs> I would I would hit one, and then I put one in my bag, and then hit one. And put one in my bag. <laughs> 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 but uh, I shot eight. I shot eighty the first day, and then I shot seventy two, seventy two, seventy three, and um, that kind of just got me on my way. I mean, I I ended up. Um, you know, qualifying for the U.S. Amateur that summer. And then um, San Jose State offered me a partial scholarship to play. Ended up making All-American my first year in college and got a full ride and just kind of went from there. I just, uh, I love the game. I love the whole aspect of being able to be by yourself and, and get better with, I mean, I love team games. Don't get me wrong. I love team sports, but um, I didn't mind being by myself. I, I kind of enjoyed it, you know, having two brothers that twenty four seven picked on you. So it was kind of my little, um, <laughs> my little uh, sanctuary, yeah, sanctuary yeah, yeah. out there. So um, you know, my dad was kind of a girl's dad before they came a girl's dad. I mean, he always really, um, you know, encouraged me to do anything I wanted to do. Um, you know, I would go to uh, baseball practice with him. I go to basketball practice. And he always included me and. Um, and my mom was, you know, just, just, uh, she's just a great mom. And, and, uh, so that's kind of how my journey started. It wasn't like I destined to be an LPGA player. I just kind of fell into it. And, um, you know, it just, uh, I think, um, with watching my mom and dad's work, work ethic, I think that really helped out also. Yeah. yeah. What that's a great, great place to get your start at Pasa Tiempo. Of yeah. Course, yeah. You know. 
A I mean, I, famous people have been involved putting their putting their footprint on that golf course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marion Hollins and Alistair McKenzie. I mean, yeah. I didn't. I mean, I didn't know how good past Tampa was until I went to start going to college and playing all these dumpy college golf courses. Um, yeah. And I'm like, you know, I I had to really learn how to shoot low because if I could shoot a couple over or you know, even par at past Tampa, that was a great round. And then, you know, I get to college and, you know, they're a lot easier, flatter greens, you know, a little shorter, not as undulated. And so it kind of took me a little bit to learn how to, you know, really shoot low, go low and mentally. Yeah. yeah. So, so is it is it true? Because I read this somewhere. Is it true that you went to work at Pasatiempo primarily because that's where the boys were? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> well, you yeah, found one. Yeah, I did. you found one there too, I did, didn't you? I did. I did. I did found one. Yeah, forty-two years later. So yeah, um, yeah. But um, you know, I, I just um, you know, I, I always I didn't um, mind playing with the boys. I, I I think it made me a better player. It made me more competitive. Um, you know, I always played the same tees they did, so I think it gave me a good base for a short game um but uh it, it was just a it was a it was a great way to um learn the game uh, you know we 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 just played we never practiced we we'd play and, and we go and play again and um yeah. you know you learn how to hit a lot of different shots um uh you know I, I got most of my golf balls from the canyons at past tempo and I, I i would you know take take those golf balls and play with so it it, it was great your game really must have developed quickly to come to it at a relatively late age compared to many of our yeah. guests uh, from age 15 and advancing as you did to the kind of the sort of amateur and, and college success you had. Um, what was the key to getting that game developed that quickly over sort of a four or five year period like that? Well, I think I was, I was very athletic you know, I played all sports. Um, I, I had pretty, I have pretty good hand eye coordination and, um, and I don't like to lose. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can lose and I know how to lose, but, um, um, I, I, I don't like to lose. So, um, I knew, um, when I played these junior tournaments, a lot of these girls were been playing for a long time and they were just crushing me, beating me. And, and I, I didn't, I didn't like that feeling. So, um, so I, I worked. I worked hard at the game and, and um, tried to, you know, I, I kind of have my own swing because um, back then you didn't really have, you know, on plane or you just kind of played. And, and um, I just I think I was probably never the best at anything, but I was a pretty good grinder. Um, I never gave mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Were there some uh, influences in your life, early role models that you uh, sort of patterned any of your aspects of your game after? You know, I didn't because we didn't really watch TV on, you know, we didn't watch golf on TV. We didn't, you know, um, you know, my dad, you know, he was, I hate to say it, but he was a hack. He, I mean, he was probably a 25, 30 handicapper. Um, yeah. So I didn't really, um, I didn't really have any um, people that I really watched or admired. Now, when I went to college, um, my freshman year, Patty Sheehan was a senior. And, um, you know, she was all world at golf and, 
Um, you know, I watched her, how she practiced and how she played. And, and then, you know, as you, I, I think you can learn a lot. Um, you know, my dad was a huge baseball fan and we watched the Giants together all the time. And I could just say, you can really watch, learn a lot in your sport, how other people play their sport. And mm-hmm. I've always been a big um, admirer of, I mean, I would rather watch them practice than them play the game because yep. um, I just, the way they practice, the you know, what effort they put into it, how they go about it. Um, you know, you learn from your failures and how they handle that. And so I think um, I learned a lot just watching. Hear that? That's the sound of a walk-off albatross, a two on a par five to win a two-day golf tournament. That shot happened to me. One in 600 million odds. Since then, people call me Albie. Now, I've told this story so often, my friends can't take it. I'm pretty sure my wife, next time I tell her, she's going to leave me. So I decided to start a podcast to tell the entire world about it because it deserves it. It's the craziest shot you've never heard of. And guess what? There's tons more stories like this all around golf. And that's what our podcast is all about. Join me and my fellow degenerates, Pan and Shepard as we dive into them. Insane bets, crazy what-if scenarios, and all the you-had-to-be-there type moments in golf. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Did I tell you about Malbatross? So you got married to Brian at a relatively young age. You must have been at San Jose State, right? Yes, I was. Um, so um, Brian, when I um, first got to Pass Tempo, he was the assistant pro there. And... Um, you know, he was 10 years older than I was. So I, I still ask my parents, like, what were you thinking? You know, I'm, I'm, I go to college and, you know, I'm, I'm just 17, I'm just 18, maybe just 17, 18. We started dating and, you know, he's 27, 28. And, you know, I got two girls. If they were dating at 27, I'd, I'd be like, that's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they love Brian. Um, it was a kind, kind of a golf course where um, the assistant pros, the pros, um, the, the cart people, we all played golf together. Um, my parents always had them over, everybody over for dinner. You know, we would go to Giants games. And, you know, we, we started out being friends. And then we kind of just um, – we took it from there. And, and so I got married going into my junior year of, uh, college. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, years old. yeah, I, I, I tell my kid, well, they, they just both got married at, uh, let's see, 30, they got 32 and 28. They got married. So <laughs> they've only been married Congrats. a year. So, Congratulations. Um, yeah, but, uh, I don't know. It, it just worked for us. Um, you know, Brian had his own job. He, he was, he ended up getting the uh, head pro job at Los Altos Country Club, and he was there for 37 years. And um, you know, he he thought about coming out with me, and and we I just I didn't want that. Um, you know, I wanted have him to have his own identity and his own right. shtick. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so um, we're on our honeymoon, and um, I'm supposed to play in the U.S. Amateur at Prairie Dunes, and uh, we're gone for two weeks. Um, and we went up through Banff and Victoria and Lake Louise and around there. And, um, I came back and I think we played one round of golf at Banff. And I think I probably shot 90 and I go, (laughs) I go, I go to Brian, I go, I am not going to the U S amateur. And he goes, yes, you are going to, yeah, because your parents will kill me if you don't go to the U S amateur. 
And um, I said, all right, all right. So I went, I had a great caddy. I had to stay with a great family. And I got there a couple of days early just to kind of practice. And um, I kind of qualified in the middle of the pack. And, and then I just started getting a little better each day, a little better each day. And I think in the semifinals or quarterfinals, um, I think it was semifinals, I ran into Carol Simple Thompson, who was oh, yeah. the mm-hmm. ultimate amateur player. And um, she kind of always scared me because she always kind of had that look on her face. Um, and now she's kind of she's one of my best friends. Um, <laughs> but uh, I ended up beating her and I faced the. Uh, um, one of my peers, Patty Rizzo, who went to the University of Miami and won everything that summer. Um, and she she kind of looked at me on the range like, where'd you come from? And, uh, and I ended I came up... from BAM. Yeah. I'm here to beat you. <laughs> I ended up beating her two up, and, and, um, and there I was, a U.S. amateur champion. And, you know, it just – it just kind of all fell into place for me. And, you know, match play, it's like, you know, anybody can beat anybody on a given day. And I, you know, I probably wasn't the shot, the lowest scores that week for, you know, six rounds, but um, I, I beat who I needed to beat and uh, ended up winning the U S amateur. Yeah, you but, did but, something else that week too, didn't you? What else did you do that week? What else did I do? I lost my ring. My wedding yeah. ring. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you guys yeah. do your homework, man. Oh, yeah. you lost yeah. your wedding. How did, how did that happen? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I don't know. But uh, we found it, and it was all good. Yeah, it was all good. Uh, yeah, that's funny. But Brian ended but, up Brian ended up flying flying back for um, and he's when he was playing, he played in the I don't want to say um, he played um, in Hutchinson, Kansas, and ended up staying with his family. And uh, so he flew back and stayed with them, and kind of surprised me um, in the um, in the finals. Oh, mm. cool, cool. Well, you, you're continuing on with your amateur career, uh, a win at the California State Amateur uh, in 1981 at Pebble Beach. We've talked to several of the winners of that amateur, uh, and Pebble Beach is a pretty nice venue, isn't it? It is. It is, and this uh, lady named um, Helen Langsford. Um, she kind of she kind of put it on, and um, she was um, I guess I'd say a historian. And um, when you won the tournament, she gave you a piece of her silver from her collection. And oh, cool. it's yeah, nice. and it's probably one of my favorite trophies that I have. Is is it's you know it's silver. It's a little. It's a vase, and and uh, she gave you um, when you when you when you showed up for the round. She gave you a lucky penny. And then, if you won the tournament, you get you, you got a piece of silver from her collection. So every year, the individual got a different trophy. I thought that was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Bruce, what uh, Julie just said about match play uh, makes her record in the amateur that much more incredible, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What what a what a uh, what an amateur career she had. Because uh, you weren't finished. Uh, in 81 either because you decided to go win another amateur championship right (laughs) you know and i I think that's the hardest thing is you know when when um you know you wait a year and you got to give up the trophy you send it back and um you know it's a different golf course different venue you're a different time in your life you know i'm a i'm a senior in college and and um i uh uh went to waverly uh, 
again, not playing great. But, um, you know, again, I kind of qualified in the middle of the, of the thing. And, um, again, I just kind of got my groove on. And, again, I ran into Carol Simple. <laughs> and, yeah. the, and this time, I think it was in the quarters. And she always tells me I, she, I would have never had the career I had unless she played me. Unless I played her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and I, I played an um, Australian named uh, Lindy Goggin and uh yeah. in the finals and um i was one down going into 17 and um it was a par five and um i'm outside her um for birdie and i make my birdie and she misses and then on 18 i birdie to win one up so mm-hmm. um that was uh that was pretty cool were you playing with your matched set of clubs? That yeah, I, I mean, I didn't even know what I had. I went through so many. Huh? I, yeah, I didn't even know what I had. Or, or were these borrowed clubs from Patty Sheehan? No, you know, they could have. They could have been Rams because I think Patty turned pro, and I think I got a set of, of clubs from her. Rams. They weren't mm. hers. She would never let me play her clubs. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, we found we found that little nugget somewhere. It must not yeah. be true. Yeah. Then, that, uh, no. Uh, well, next year, same thing. So you did the three peat. This was 1982 Women's U.S. Amateur at Broadmoor. Mm-hmm. Uh, four and three over Kathy Hanlon. Yeah. So Kathy went to SMU. We were actually really good friends. We played a lot of uh, collegiate golf together, and we played like I think the Western and the Broadmoor. Um, and we we were really good friends, and uh, so this was thirty six holes this year. And Brian, uh, well, first of all, the, the greatest Brian's caddying for me uh, for the first time in the in one of these tournaments. And um, I'm uh, let's see, I'm one down going into eighteen against um, uh, Caroline Gow- uh, Caroline Gowan, and um, I'm in the right bunker, and she's in the um, in the fairway and I hit it on just short. I mean, I, I hit it just short. So I'm chipping and she hits it on about, I don't know, 15 feet. And so I'm away. And so, um, let's see, are we even, we must be even going in 18 and I kind of dub my, dub my chip. And so now I'm still outside her and uh, yeah. And, um, Brian's behind me and, and I go, what do you think? And he's, He's speechless. He, 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 he couldn't say anything. And I go, I go, okay, I, I got it. I got it. And I ended, yeah, I ended yeah. up making it and she misses. And I went on the first playoff hole and I go, I go, well, you were, you were a lot of help back there. And he goes, yeah. he goes, I, I was just trying to think how I was going to console you. I, I, you know, and I, I, I go, and he goes, I guess that's why you're the player, and I'm, I'm the uh, director of golf. <laughs> uh, but then I ended up, Funny. I ended up, um, I actually played really well that that whole week, um, and um, I uh, again met Carol Simple in the semis, and I beat her. And and then Kathy and I, I played I played really good in in the finals. Yeah, well, you joined pretty heady company because three straight hadn't been done for a long time. In fact, I think it had been 
1934 when Virginia Van Wee was uh, was a three-time uh, champion. Of course, an early great amateur as well. Yeah. So uh, that had to that had to feel pretty good. Oh yeah, it felt great. Um, you know, and it, it's funny. It's like you know, everybody said like you know, after I won my first one, are you gonna go pro? Are you gonna go pro? And I'm like, I mean, match play and metal player just they're two different animals. Totally different. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was still really learning how to. Um, you know, put four good rounds together or put three good rounds together or, you know, um, you know, I was just kind of still learning a lot about, you know, since I started so late, I was just kind of still learning, um, a lot about how to play, um, consistent golf, um, consecutively. Yeah. Mm. I mean, at that point in your amateur career, what part of your game did you feel you still needed to v- develop to play at the next level? Mm, I think just was consistency. There, there... I mean, I was, I was always, I always had a pretty good short game. Um, I, I was always a pretty good putter. Um, I think probably my iron play and, um, you know, just getting more consistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you, you were able to play on a couple of winning Espirito Santo trophy teams in 1980 and 1982, and then on to the Curtis Cup. You had a real tough Curtis Cup, Bruce, so just take you through this real quick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, morning foursomes, uh, Inkster, Carol Semple, five and four winners. Afternoon singles, Julie against Katrina Douglas, two and one victor. Day two foursomes. Uh, Julie and Carol again, uh, three and two winners, and then final day afternoon singles, Julie, seven and five winner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a little four yeah, zero, huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know that's yeah. where kind of um, during the World Cup, um, my first World Cup in 1980, we were at um, Pinehurst, and that's kind of where I really got to know Carol because she was on the team. And Patty Rizzo was on the team. And um, that's kind of where I really um, um, developed a friendship with Carol. And then when we played the Curtis Cup, um, you know, I, I really wanted to play with her. So uh, her and I teamed up together. And then um, um, in 82 World Cup, it was Kathy Baker and Amy Benz in uh, Geneva, Switzerland, which was really nice. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah for someone yeah. that Lovely. didn't get to travel much, that was my parents ended up going. My grandparents ended up going. So we made it a really uh, nice trip. Nice. Trip, was that yeah. your first international trip? Yeah, yeah, I think it was. That's where I went. My first international <laughs> trip as well. I was eight. Oh, really? Went to, went to yeah. Yeah. Went to Geneva. Yeah. yeah. Did you play Geneva Lovely Country town. Club? Uh, you know, uh, I didn't play golf. Oh, okay. It was a whole separate thing related to what I was doing in college. But okay. we, we went to Germany and then and then Geneva. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Very nice. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful part of the world. Mm-hmm. So, so you 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 tell us you make all American. You actually you're three time all American. So, mm-hmm. but but in 1982, you win the Broderick Award for the nation's best female collegiate golfer. Yeah, that was. Um, I ended up winning quite a few collegiate tournaments. Um, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I just, um, I loved competing and and. Um, you know, I was very fortunate that I had a great coach and, you know, he didn't, we didn't really always have to practice together. Um, you know, he would, he would like, if, I don't know, some of these, sometimes these, these coaches today, like, you know, today we're going to hit balls for an hour and a half. Well, I, I don't really want to hit balls for an hour and a half. You know, I feel <laughs> like my swing's pretty good. You know, can I just go out and play? Um, and he was really good at that. Like if, um, 
you know, we had practice and, and I didn't want to play. I wanted to just work on some stuff. You do that. If, if, if I wanted mm. to, you know, he was, he kind of, he knew, um, that we weren't going to take it off. We knew, he knew that we were going to work, you know, we yeah. weren't going to just, you know, not play. Um, so he was, he was really good at, um, he was a great fundraiser. So we got to play in all the best collegiate tournaments, which, which was awesome. We got to play against the best schools. And, um, and so he was, he was a great coach that way. He, he was a retired, retired Colonel in the air force. Um, not a great golfer at all, but, um, he was, he was, a, he was a great coach because he let us, you know, do what we thought we needed to do to get better. And, and then he raised enough funds that we could go play the, the best against best schools. Yeah. You yeah. know, what you, what you say about the coach reminds us of what high school golf was like for us back in the day. Um, they didn't necessarily need to be a golfer, but if they had a station wagon, they could be the golfer. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you were young enough to benefit from Title IX because a lot of our guests, you know, starting with Kathy oh, yeah. Whitworth and, and some of the other great Sandra Haney, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. uh, many of them, not only did they not have a high school golf team to go to, they had to play with the boys, if at all. Mm-hmm. They went yeah. to college and there wasn't any college women's no. teams either. No. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I believe me, I've benefited a lot from not only that, but just, um, you know, the founders, you know, coming out and, and developing an LPGA tournament, I mean, uh, tour. I mean, I, you know, I didn't know what it was, you know, but you know, I found out quickly. Um, and be, being able to play with some of these greats, um, you know, they were kind of on their last part, but just being able to play with some of the greats was uh, awesome. It's a great story, too, about you know, how the LPGA actually got started by the players themselves. And I think, uh, if I remember correctly, they get full credit coming up next year. I be, yeah. believe believe yeah. they all get uh, put in the World Golf Hall of Fame, which I think is a, is a great tribute to the fact that they work so damn hard to make this uh, LPGA work so good. I, I, I totally agree. And, and uh you know, it's like Marion Holland's finally getting her due. Um, you know, there, there's been a lot of great women that's been pioneered that maybe haven't got the credit that they deserve. And, you know, it's, it's a shame it's later, but they're now at least getting their credit. And I think yeah. that's awesome. And, and for our listeners, uh, there are several of the 13 founders in the uh, in the World Golf Hall of Fame. But uh, for the ladies that weren't, at least to date, uh they are going to be inducted um, uh, during the U.S. Open next June at Pinehurst, which will be the newly opened World Golf Hall of Fame that's moving to Pinehurst. And uh, those ladies include Alice Bauer, Betty Danoff, Helen Detweiler, Helen Hicks, Opal Hill, Sally Sessions, and Shirley Spork, who was the last one to leave us. Yeah. How about Opal Hill? What a name that is. Uh, <laughs> that's a great name that's old school name right there yeah Full that's old school yeah. two majors uh and she was on the first three curtis cup came, teams God, that's, yeah. that's crazy yeah. yeah yeah we've really enjoyed uh julie uh not just telling the stories of of you and the greats of the lpga but along the way bruce and i have been able to uh with our guests tell the story of the lpga tour and, and we've talked about all of the founders particularly as you can imagine as we talked to sandy haney and jo- joanne carner and and uh kathy. mary mills mm-hmm. kathy cornelius uh, mm-hmm. uh kathy whitworth you know yeah 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 i great. always i love playing with joanne carner she she <laughs> oh my god she she um 
she just got up there and ripped it. Um, she didn't care if she was in the trees or anything. <laughs> All of a sudden, you see this ball come out. Whoosh, you know, and <laughs> she could cut it. She could draw. She she had just had great hands, really yeah. just great hands and a great imagination. And she waits till age thirty, yeah, to play to turn yeah. out pro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, she made well, up for it, that's for sure. Oh, she did, yeah. and uh, uh, Bruce and I released her life story today on our podcast. Oh, okay. yeah. I'm gonna have to listen to that. And yeah, it's quite so, likely that yeah. we're going to set a new download record today. Yeah, it's, exactly. It, the yeah. numbers are crazy already today. So oh, that's awesome. Good for yeah, you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Talking about professional, you decided to uh, turn pro. When you were 22, 1983, tell us about the uh, going to the Q school. Yeah, that didn't go well. <laughs> <laughs> we, we know. So, yeah, so um, it was in um, uh, um, Sweetwater. No, no, it was in Florida. It was in Florida. Um, Brian's caddying for me. And, you know, the probably the thing I didn't do well um, was – I didn't play any, I didn't play like a mini tour event or something up, you know, prior to that. Um, I just kind of practiced and, and went to the school and, and I was overwhelmed with all these girls that had a P by their name. Um, you know, I always, I uh-huh. thought they're, you know, oh my God, she's a professional. She's about, you know, I'm an amateur, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, I was, I was expected, you know, winning three U.S. amateurs and being an all American, I was really expected to to make it. And I mean, back then they only took 10 players. So it wasn't like they're taking 25 to 30. I mean, you, you had to play really well. And, um, I ended up not, not doing well. Um, I didn't make it. Um, I lost the contact. I mean, it was, it was just a cluster (laughs) and Brian got Brian, (laughs) Brian went back to the hotel to get a, uh, to get a, a contact and then he got a ticket on the way back. Um, yeah, but you know, it was probably looking back on it, the best thing that ever happened. Um, because after I missed it, I was devastated. I kind of, I just took a month off and did nothing. And it, it turned out there was another, um, qualifying school that year. There were, uh, three, I think. And it was in, um, October, uh, yeah, October. And, um, no, it was in September. And I ended up, I uh, was at Sweetwater and uh, Brian caddy for me again. And um, I ended up getting it. I was finishing, uh, well, I played some mini tour events and realized just because you have a P by your name doesn't mean you're <laughs> actually great. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so I, I won a couple of those and that kind of really um, settled me down. And I ended up playing really well. Uh, I guess it was in July, July. And um, I ended up getting my card, and I ended up playing five tournaments that year, five or six, and I ended up winning my fifth. Um, and I be- actually beat Kathy Whitworth um, in Seattle, Kent, Washington, and it was one of the coldest days I've ever seen. I mean, the wind was blowing, <laughs> it was raining, and uh, I think I shot one under or two under and ended up beating Kathy for my first win. Yeah, that was the Safeco Classic, nineteen eighty three, at Meridian yeah. Valley Country Club, and uh, Kathy won it the following year. So she got her she got her win in. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, tell us, can you can you remember much about the finish? Uh, 
what happened there? Um, I really don't because, you know, she had a big lead and I kind of came from behind. Um, but, um, all I know is I, 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 I think I won by one. Um, and my check was 22, five and <laughs> my parents were there and, um, I ended up, we ended up going out to dinner. I, I told my dad and my mom said, let me buy dinner. And <laughs> my dad goes, Julie, you're going to find out 22.5 doesn't last very long, so we'll buy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of For the Good of the Game. And please, wherever you listen to your podcast on Apple and Spotify, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, spread the word, and tell your friends. Until we tee it up again, for the good of the game, so long, everybody. Whack down the fairway, it went smack down the fairway. Then it started to slice just a smidge off line. It headed for two, but it bounced off nine. My caddy says, long as you're still in the state, you're okay. Yes, it went straight down the middle, quiet.